Southwestern family of companies welcomes you to the Action Catalyst. Each week, our diversely and amazingly accomplished guests share their insights and inspirations to help us ignite our own. So let's invest attention together to breathe, to reflect and refocus, and decisively defeat that voice we call Mr. Mediocrity. Then let's enjoy moving forward to make a positive difference in our world. We are excited to share our guest with you today. Sally Lou Loveman has spent a lifetime doing what she loves. As the former audience producer for The Oprah Winfrey Show, Sally Lou lives her purpose by connecting with audiences. At age 14, Sally Lou discovered her passion for television when she was an audience member at The Mike Douglas Show. She spotted a girl on the set with a clipboard, and while she didn't know what this girl did, she knew one day she would do it too. After a 35-year career in television and having entertained over half a million people from the Oprah stage, Sally Lou Loveman brings her message to new audiences through her business, Love Speaks. Today, Sally Lou serves her clients and engages audiences with inspirational presentations that connect with truth, talent, and life's work. Her speaking engagements focus on connecting audiences with their greatest talents and designing professional and personal experiences that embrace that innate joy. Sally Lou is no stranger to a microphone. She hosts her Unexpected Speaker Workshops for Heart-Centered Professionals, and she is also available to serve as MC for Heart-Centered Events. Sally Lou brings her producer talent and heart to the room and promises to make every moment memorable. Her name speaks for itself. Be inspired by her passion, her stories, her humor, and her truth. Enjoy this episode. Well, everyone, welcome to the Action Catalyst. This is Dan Moore, and I am so excited that we have Sally Lou Loveman, and I think it could actually be Sally Lou Love Life, just based on already getting to know her. So Sally Lou, welcome to the Action Catalyst. I'm so happy to be here. Hi, Dan. I love I love my new name. Well, I think it's fantastic. <laughs> you have had such an interesting life. Uh, millions of people, of course, have seen you as the people that the person in front of Oprah that has warmed up the crowd, that has gotten people excited and into it. And you're sharing the whole notion of do what you love through your message right. with people. Yeah. And and it's been so inspiring. Starting one story in 10 words or less. What a challenge yes. to throw out to people. Yes. I think it's fantastic. Yes. So could you could you tell us a bit of the, the backstory, some of the main pivots in, in your life and the influences that <sighs> have now got you to the point of, of sharing this message so well? Well, you know, hindsight is always good for a story, right? I mean, you kind of see it more clearly. And at 58 years old, I see the path was just really laid out in a way that I could never have seen it when I was in it. So I I always say, you know, remember your story's happening as it's happening. You don't see it. You don't recognize it all the time. But for me, really, the first the first pivot really was when I said yes to an invitation to my mother when I was 14 years old to the filming of the Mike Douglas show. And I did not want to go. I had no interest. My mother got tickets. And it was just happened to be filmed in the hometown that Philadelphia is my hometown. And I said, yes. And when I got there, I sat in the studio audience. I spotted a girl on the set with a clipboard. Mind you, it was 1976. So seeing a woman, I I call her a girl with the clipboard. 
And I know that sounds funny, but I was a girl. So in my mind, she was a girl, but she's really a woman with a clipboard. And in that moment, I was like, okay, she's wearing a headset. So automatically cool, right? She's carrying a clipboard. That means she's official. And she was really busy. And as soon as I saw her, I said, that's what I want to do. I didn't know. I just accepted an invitation from my mother. And so the way I start my story in 10 words or less is accept invitations from your mother. You just have no idea what that will open up your world to. And for me, it opened up a world to television. And it literally, that Mike Douglas show ticket, which which I still have, was my invitation to television and a career with Oprah Winfrey. I 100% believe that. Well, so, I'm going to make I'm going to make sure my three children listen to you say always accept invitation from your mother, so they listen to their mother. And and I do have a tag, uh, have a little addition to that: accept invitations from your mother or anyone who loves or likes you. And honestly, we don't always want to do the things that the people who love and like us want us to do, especially our parents. Fathers have invitations too. I've met plenty of fathers who've invited their kids to do things, and they said no. And they missed an opportunity. I met one father at a truckers conference for women, women in trucking. I spoke there and he came up to me after my keynote and said, hey, I'm a dad with an invitation. He invited his then 21-year-old son to accompany him on an event where they needed a photographer. And the son was showing very much interest in photography. So he said, hey, we need a photographer. Why don't you come? The son only said yes because he knew there would be free beer at the end of the convention <laughs> and or at the end of the whatever the meeting was. And you know what happened? He realized he was really good at it and he started getting work. And now he's working, you know, as a as a professional photographer. So you have no idea what your yes can then open up your world to. And it they're also reminders that you have you have talents. You know, we all have talents. And sometimes Someone's got to knock on your door to remind you what your talents are. And so I think yes opens up that door. I love that. The yes to people that love you doesn't just have to be your mom or your dad, but somebody that cares about you, interested in you. Instead of a default, no, I can't be bothered to have a yes. And that's that's a way around the whole mediocrity that you guys talk about on on this podcast. You know, it's you can't say yes to everything. Our time is important. I get that. And you don't want to say yes to things that are obviously dangerous and bad for you. But the more, if someone loves or likes you, the more the invitation is for something that really is out of your comfort zone and you don't want to do, that's the, that's the ding, 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 do it, do it. Mm -hmm. Because you, it just opens you up to a world that might not change your life like the Mike Douglas show did for me, but it'll open up your world to a new community, to a new interest. And maybe light your fire that you didn't know needed stoke. You know, you just don't know. Well, that's so, true. Yeah. Now you were you were the the pre-show warm-up for a very long time for the Oprah yes. Winfrey show. Yes. What caused you to shift out of that and, and to embark on this new mission of helping people find their own voice? <laughs> well, real simple. The show ended. <laughs> the <I> end. Mean, <laughs> curtain, curtain on your career, curtain on your most amazing career, journey of a lifetime. I I joined the show in 1987. It was year two of the show. I interviewed in 1986. And to take you back just a step further, after the girl with a clipboard and I, you know, did all these television internships, I went to college, I 
took a semester in Washington, D.C. to um, study journalism. And then I found out about an internship in Chicago, didn't know where Chicago was, ended up getting the internship. It was at a P- the PBS station in Chicago. And that was the same year Oprah moved to Chicago. So she moved to host the um, local AM radio, uh, AM Chicago show. And um, I was there as a production assistant at the PBS station. So I believe that the universe aligned and they put, you know, they put us in the same city, of course. And I interviewed for the job of audience coordinator when the show went national. And then I didn't get it. I had a great interview with Oprah. She liked me. I obviously liked her. But for some reason, I don't, I didn't get it. And a year later, they called me and I got the job. And as I was standing on the set, a producer handed me a microphone and said, form up the audience. And I said, what does that mean? (laughs) I was a very shy child and kind of shy kid, but I didn't know what to do. So I just used my heart and it worked. It was, I think we were the only show that didn't use a stand-up comic. I mean, I just used my heart and that's what the connection started for me. That was, that was the moment I found my voice. And that's what my book speak is about. It's about helping people find their voice and speaking up and speaking on stages and speaking to your family. It doesn't matter where you are. You don't have to be, you know, a keynote speaker to benefit from reading my book. You can just be a happier, better, more connected human. So the Oprah show was my life. You know, I, I grew up there. I wasn't there for the full 25 years, but I took 10 years off to raise my babies, have babies, raise them, but I was always freelancing. So I always kept relevant and on the producer's radar. So I was back for a lot of big shows. And then when my baby was four, I got the call and they said, do you want to come back as the audience supervisor? And I, and they were like, you don't want that job. I'm like, yes, I do. That's what I want. I want to be the girl with a clipboard in the studio. I didn't want to produce. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to connect with people and connect them to the brand, which was Oprah. So I went back in 2003 and I ended in 2014. And that's, that's why I pivoted. That's why I shifted. And here's the coolest thing, Dan, I started getting opportunities as the, as well, the show had ended, but then I stayed on with own. And during that time, we were doing a few audience uh, shows for own. And then I started getting other opportunities to speak on other stages for other brands. So I started saying, yes, I had time to do it. And I realized that what I did for Oprah worked for other brands and other audiences. And I said, oh, my talent doesn't just work here. It works other places. And I, this, this, the Oprah stage was over for me. I, I couldn't do it anymore. It was got, done. The curtain had closed. So I had to figure out a way to reinvent myself, use my talents, and be brave enough to say, oh, this is my talent. I own it. And I can do it for other people. Got it. So it's it's not specific to one arena when you realize no. this is your gift. It's your talent, your ability. Yeah. And you find lots of places that can play. Yes. And I, I really believe that if we own our talents, we become much more efficient people. We aren't bragging. I can tell you 700 things I'm terrible at, but I can tell you I can connect an audience to a brand and I can connect an audience to each other. That's really the key. It's it's one thing connecting an audience to a brand, but when you connect the audience to each other, 
now they're bringing the energy that is way bigger than anyone can ever describe because that's love. So mm-hmm. when you feel like when people came to the Oprah show, they were already connected to Oprah. That was a given. But I helped connect them to each other, to the person that they love the most that they brought and to the people who were just standing next to them in line. This television audience is still connected. It's 2020. And these people are still connected. The, uh, social media has helped. I've Every single book launch that I've done, every event that I've had, I've had an Oprah audience member at mm. that book launch. They are connected to each other, to me. It is it is the most beautiful thing to even describe. That I can't imagine that that happens at other television talk show audiences. I, I'm I'm sure it doesn't happen often. <laughs> now we had the privilege of having some of uh, Oprah's family come here when Stedman did his book launch on our property. Uh, I and love that was it. tremendous. Stedman Graham is the nicest human on earth. Literally. Completely. The nicest human. Anytime I see Stedman, and I've known him since 1986, um, I or 87, I should say, he asks me about my family by name. I mean, that is kind. That's kindness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, he is totally into kindness and identity leadership. His new book is just doing yes. awesomely well, which is great. so great. Love. Well, your, your book has a very compelling title, I think, Sally Lou, uh-huh. when you say, Speak love your story, but there importantly, your audience is waiting. Tell us about that. Yes. It's my favorite part of it because I, you know, I'm always, I think as a speaker, as an audience producer, I think about the audience first and if the better the audience, the better the speaker. I always say that, but what's really cool is if you shift it and you think, Oh, my story, who cares about my story? I have nothing to say, or no one no one's going to benefit from my story. Oh, no, no, no. Your audience is waiting because we all have an audience. You don't have to be a professional speaker. You don't have to be a celebrity. You don't have to be a CEO to have an audience. Teachers have audiences. Doctors have audiences. Yoga teachers have audiences. You're checking you know, a cashier at the grocery store. You have an audience. Every We have our family is our audience. We have audiences and people are waiting to hear from you. People are waiting to hear your story. You have no idea the impact that your story has on someone else. It could land on someone's heart in a way that you have no idea. It could help them feel more connected. I had a front row seat to the most powerful stories ever told at the Oprah Winfrey show. I was inside the studio for every show that I was there for, which was many. And um, I think we we did 4,500 and 61, something like that. It was on the Smithsonian. Um, uh, uh, big, huge, uh, wonderful um, exhibit that was there for the Oprah show. Uh, it was so beautiful. It was like going back in time. But anyway, a lot of shows. I was there and it inspired me because every story landed on my heart. I didn't have the same story as them, but I understood as a mother, as a sister, as a daughter, as a human as an employee, whatever it was that they were talking about, I understood and it impacted me and it opened up my heart. And so that's the point of the book, to tell your story, to speak your story. And oh, by the way, give you some good speaker tips too, because I know a a trick or two and uh, about engaging an audience and, and, and just be more connected with yourself and others and understand that the importance of your story. Now, you don't have to get on a a podium and tell everything. You don't have to tell all, but tell the part that means something to you that you know will land on someone's heart. 
Mm-hmm. And that's when you know you've done your job. I almost titled the book, Speak, Love Your Story Like It's Your Job, because I believe it's our job to tell our stories. And if who else is going to tell them, right? And it, it just, it like, it, it, it just, the oxytocin just rises. I was getting a root canal the other day and my endodontist started talking about the musician that was playing on the, um, on the radio system that they have. And he was telling how he'd gone to a concert with his friend and how funny it was and how, how she was scared. Cause it was crowded. I was like, tell me more. I just wanted to know more because it took my mind off my root canal. <laughs> so, the the impact of story, no matter how it might not, you know, change your life, but it just makes us all more connected and happier humans. Right. Your audience is waiting. In fact, maybe it could have a second subtitle after your audience is waiting. They may be having a root canal. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I yes. think it's fantastic. Endodontists have audiences. <laughs> Captive audiences. Uh, yeah. Yes, very much so. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. I am sure with your enthusiasm, most people would wonder if you ever hit a setback or a stumbling block. Many. I, I have a feeling you've hit some some unexpected brick walls and yes. we, we all run into them. What have you found to be, I guess, viable ways to, to recover when you've just been slammed down and you don't know what to do? Yeah. Well, I think um, when you know your purpose, it really helps. I think uh, when you, I, I say this, um, about speaking, fear has no access when we are in our purpose. So for me, I'm very clear on my purpose. I treat every single day like the Oprah Winfrey Show warm up. I engage with audiences all day long, whether you are my Uber driver, airport people that I pass by, you know, coming to the gate, whatever. You are, I'm, I'm, I am, my purpose is to connect with people. And I do that. And so for me, that helps with the brick walls, but the brick walls are there. And if they weren't there, we wouldn't be growing. It's a, that brick wall might stop you in that moment, but it is there to move you forward. And in my book, I have those little arrows after each kind of thought in chapters. And those arrows are to remind you that we're always, always moving forward. And we don't all move forward at the same pace. That's okay. Whatever pace you are at, Forward movement is all that matters. And for me, when I stopped working at the uh, at Harpo, um, I thought when I launched my business that the phone was going to ring off the hook because that's what I was used to. That was the environment I lived in. Magic happened. Everybody was there. Excitement 24-7. And so when it didn't ring and I didn't get the opportunities that I thought I would get, I was like, well, I guess this isn't going to work. But then I dug in, I dug in, and I kept to my purpose, and I kept going. Now, it's really hard to do what you love when you're not getting paid what you used to be paid. Mm -hmm. So I'm always looking for side hustles, and I was continuing to do pilots for television. That really helped because I used my skill as an audience producer. But the thing that really changed for me is what changed for me about a year and a half ago when I said to myself, Sally Lou, if it's not going to happen for you, you got to create your own content. I believed that if we are absolutely certain that what we want to do is what we want to do and what we're good at, 
and no one's giving you the opportunity to do it, to create it ourselves. So I decided I'm going to write a book and I'm going to launch a podcast because I love connecting with people. And so I did both. I, I launched both of them in 2020 this year. Um, and I am thrilled. I'm not saying it's, you know, paying me what I, I was hoping to, but that will come. That mm-hmm. will come. I have the, I have the credentials now. I can say, Hey, it's already the phone. Listen, I'm on with you. I wouldn't, I, you wouldn't be talking to me if I didn't write a book. Right. So for me, I self-published. I didn't want someone to tell me that I couldn't write it because I didn't have enough Instagram followers. Uh, I didn't want someone to say, oh, this isn't going to sell. I did it so that at this point, I just wanted to have a credential. And so now I do. And now the phone is ringing more. And I am doing, uh, I, I am, the content has allowed for more opportunities to speak about what I, what my message is. And one cool, really thing that I'm really just realizing in this moment, it, I've, I've been, uh, I, I, I was on the Today Show on January 27th, and that's really when I launched this little speak book tour. And all of a sudden, it became a book tour. Like, I'm booking cities. I'm in Atlanta right now. I didn't know I was going to be in Atlanta. So I'm, 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 I've got this schedule. It's not like I have a publisher telling me, here, you're going to be here, you're going to be here. I'm doing it myself. I'm hustling. This is boots on the ground. I'm doing it myself. And what is so cool is just like the Oprah Winfrey show gave people a reason to get on airplanes, meet in Chicago and go see a show. My book is giving me an opportunity to say, hey, I will come to any city you want me in. And friends are coming out of the woodwork saying, I'll host this, I'll host that. So not only am I getting my book seen, but I get to see my friends so yeah. and, and family. So it's all about connection and community. And then I get to meet all of their friends and then how the message lands on their hearts. Last night, my uh, college girlfriend hosted a beautiful event for me and all of her friends came out to support me. They don't know me. And they were setting up the room for me, like like we'd known each other for years. So it's really about the human experience. Everybody wants people to win. Your audience, when you're speaking, they want you to do well. And so when we take the fear out of it, we can take the fear of, out of it by understanding that when we're in our purpose, fear has no access. I wrote that down as you said it. That is such a compelling statement. And it is so true. So I should true. trademark it. <laughs> I think you should. But also the also the notion of of creating, not waiting. Oh, I love that. Really so strong what you just said and creating your own opportunity. But the good the good that you did for people over the decades is now being returned back to you. I hope so. That's really fun to see. I I feel that. And and I I don't know if I just said this, but I, I keep talking about how in every book launch there are passionate Oprah audience members that come out and see me, which again, just shows that connection does not end. It's, it's there. But if I didn't nurture it, it wouldn't be there. I nurture it. And so it's, it's a two-way street. You know, you have to stay connected. Um, it's, it's, it's been a really fun journey and I really enjoy it. So if this is the next chapter for me so far, it feels, it feels exactly like I wanted it to be. That's so, so so good. Well, we're definitely going to promote your podcast in in our own announcement because thank you. I can hardly wait to be listening myself. So this will be uh, great. Well, what it is, is it is a continuation of the stories that I write about in my book. So if someone, 
I've met so many beautiful people uh, since I launched my business, Love Speaks, who are passionate about what they do, who are using their talents to make the world a better place. And so that's really what the podcast is about. So each episode is, is titled Speaking of Blank. So if someone is an expert on kindness or composting or uh, soul or enlightenment or meditation, though that's what it's called. So speaking of, or speaking of midlife, speaking of uh, millennials, whatever it is. And there are people who are experts in the subject and I've met through my work. And it's really, uh, it's my happy place. I would love to be doing what you're doing. Well, I actually, I guess I am. What am I saying? <laughs> you I, have are. A, I have a podcast, but I, I love the intimacy of radio. I think it's so fun and beautiful. There's the, I, I, even though radio, you, we don't see each other, even though I'm seeing you right now, there's an intimacy, and this is obviously podcasting, but there's an intimacy that's very different in this format than in television. I, do you see that? Do you feel that? Well, I do. In fact, the very word audience comes from the same root as audio. So it has oh. to do with what we hear. We don't talk about, yes. we don't talk about our vidience. We talk about oh. our, our audience. Ooh, tingles, tingles. I love <laughs> that. I love that. I just dreamed it up. <laughs> but you need to uh, trademark that. <laughs> it's, it's powerful. Um, yeah. do, do you have a, a morning routine when you're Eyes first open, that alarm goes off. I do, I do. Uh, I, I, I have this little porcelain angel that sits by my bed, and I got her from my godparents' house, who they lived in Chicago. And when, after they both had passed, uh, the family was selling the house, and I went over to pick something up that the family had saved for me that was special. And I, you know, broke into tears, and I was like, "Oh my gosh!" And I started buying everything I could, like my godmother's wooden spoon that she used, various things, a, a trunk, I mean, beautiful things. But I saw this little porcelain angel and she has been at my bedside ever since. And it's so interesting that, you know, my parents picked my godparents who were very instrumental in my life to protect me. And now I have that angel that protects me from them. And I pray every morning. I have a very specific prayer. Uh, I say, thank you, God, for all of it, especially this part of it. Amen. It covers everything. Good, bad, ugly. I got that from my minister. But then I do my prayers. I have prayers for my family, prayers for those who've lost children, and prayers for those who need healing. And then I do my gratitude and my thank you. So that's my morning. Mm. But I also am a, a nine and a half year meditator. I, I, uh, I am committed to my transcendental meditation practice. So somewhere in the day I am meditating, but I'm not good at waking up and doing a meditation right away. I, I, I haven't figured that out yet over my nine years of practice, but I do meditate daily, which is beautiful. It's it's one of the absolute keys to presence, intentionality, and uh, stress relief. It's it, so it important. Has, it has changed the way I feel um, in terms of anxiety and fears. I have ha always had a like. Uh, I always say I'm I'm not scared of the number one thing people are scared of, which is public speaking. I'm just scared of everything else: boats, planes, <laughs> bridges, um, tunnels, elevators, self park parking lots. Hate them. 
So I'm just scared of everything else, but it's really helped me be brave because I trust myself now. And so when you go inside and you meditate and you're in inside yourself, you just connect with yourself in such a deeper, more true way that you just feel this confidence and happiness that accumulates. And so you can tap into it even when you're in the most crazy of situations and you're not meditating. Uh, it just, it's amazing how it accumulates. And I always say that speaking, like anything, is a practice. Yoga is a practice. Anything, meditation is a practice. Golf is a practice. But with speaking, the more we speak, the more we engage with our audience, which is waiting, the better the speakers we become. And then when it is time for us to speak in front of loved ones at a celebration or a TED Talk or a keynote, all of a sudden, or Facebook Live, we're not as scared. And that's how you take fear away. You practice. Wow. So powerful. Um, Sadly, some of our listeners are really on a roll right now. Everything's going super in their life. We have some others that I know have... um, have lost a lot of their sparkle right now. There's set, yeah. set, setbacks they're dealing with. They're discouraged. They, yeah, they've lost some support. Um, really what, hard. What would you share to encourage the 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 discouraged? Yeah, I, I've had loss. You know, I, I've had I've had to go through that. I, I my marriage struggled for a long time. Uh, actually, I shouldn't say that. My marriage didn't struggle for a long time. It struggled for a short time, and we've been in a long time of healing. That's the better way to say it. And we're doing great work. Um, I've had some friendships change that wasn't really fun. And I've had, um, I've had um, just some sadness of, of support from people that I thought would be there for me. And it's really hard, but I am privileged to say that I was raised well. And I don't, I, I now know, I know that people don't have that privilege. I have that privilege. So in the times of loss, you know, I lost my father a lot of people lose their parents. It's not, it's not uncommon. But in those times of trial, I hear my dad's voice. I hear it. And if it's not my dad's voice, I hear God's voice. And if it's not God's voice, it's Lizzo. It's Beyonce. It's Demi Lovato. And I've got their songs playing in my head. Like, girl, I am going to get this. And like I can get off a plane at LaGuardia and I'm not going to New York to work or maybe I am, but it doesn't matter. Each time I'm getting off and I have that New York strut, like I am here. And I think that if we remind ourselves, you know, I, I come from television, everyone walks on with a play, with a, uh, with a walk-on song. And I think if everyone thinks about what is their walk-on song that makes you feel like, Hey, I'm down. No one's calling me. I've lost. I've got health problems, whatever it is, what am I tuning into to remind myself that I am going to get through this and I, I don't know what the ending is. It might not be the ending I want, but I'm going to have fun until I get to that ending. And that is sometimes you just have to remind yourself, number one in all of this community, if you don't have a community, you will not be able to get through it. And your community can be two people, it can be a hundred people. But find a community of people who support you in a way that you share interest. Uh, again, I just did stand up comedy for the first time in my life in September. I've done it twice. I'm doing it again in a month or two weeks, actually. And I didn't do it 
to become a professional stand-up comic. I did it to scare myself and remind myself the power of my voice and that if I could do that, I could do anything. It made me go back to the things that I do well, which is writing and speaking and connecting. And I do them better because the reminder of me being on that comedy stage, which was terrifying, absolutely terrifying. I went blank for 13 seconds, but nobody knew. I did. Um, (laughs) Terrifying. It reminded me that I can do anything. And it made me a better speaker, writer, connector. But the coolest part of it is that it gave me a community. I forgot. I wasn't doing it to get a community. I now have comedy friends, women comedy friends. We're doing a women comedy. I'm producing a women comedy event for Women's History Month in March. And I'm hosting it. And I booked eight comedians who I've gotten to know. And we've got a text thread. And we're connected. And we support each other. And that's the best part of reminding yourself that not only are you capable of doing anything, but that you get a community to go along with it. So if you are feeling down, if you are blocked, if you are, you've had loss, if people aren't ringing your phone or emailing you, find something that you love and join it, whatever it is, a class, a community center, whatever, go take a storytelling class, go take a knitting class, do something where you can be connected to the people that like what you do. Incredible. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> not not just for what you, what you say, but, but how you say it and how you live it. Um, yeah, I tried I, to. I am totally, totally encouraged. Well, so thank, thank you. you very much. Yeah. Well, you're already doing what you love, but anyone listening, it's, it's, it's not as bad as you think. It's scary. It's scary to take yourself out of your comfort zone. But, you know, we all need to take a break from Netflix sometimes or ice cream or whatever it is that soothes us when we're feeling blue uh, and just go out and embrace life. We've got one shot. I mean, I, I why not try it and give it your best? It's the difference between amusement, which everybody kind of gets once in a while, and actual joy. Yes. And uh, you're sharing the joy. So thank you for that, Sally Lou. Well, we appreciate so much you being on the Action Catalyst and keep rocking, keep telling that story. I'm so excited. Action is the key catalyst too, but action, go out and do something that reminds yourself who you are and why you're here. So thank you, Dad. We'll do that. Okay. All right. Take care. Bless you. Thank Thank you so much. Bless you back. If you enjoy this podcast, please make sure to subscribe. To stay updated on everything that the Action Catalyst is up to, make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst Podcast and Twitter at Catalyst underscore Action. Thanks for listening.